Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caudill with Spencer Cowan and Philip Matthew tonight as we have a very special edition of Talking Circles tonight. We usually do our week, our Wednesday show. We preview this weekend's races coming up. Uh, that's what we usually do. We we uh, do Bristol. This weekend is going to be Bristol. We have a tripper head of weekend. Trucks on Thursday, Xfinity on Friday, and, and Cup on Saturday. Uh, that, that Those are three races this weekend. But we changed it up a little bit since it was 27 years ago yesterday that Clifford Allison passed away. Uh, at He was practicing for the Detroit Gasket 200, 1992 Detroit Gasket 200 at Michigan in what was then known as the NASCAR Bush Series when he spun out and crashed and uh, was lost his life um, 27 years ago yesterday. We will speak to his wife, Elisa Allison Sproul, here in a little bit. She's going to call in uh, and discuss Clifford's life and career. And, guys, I'm really excited about this because I've never heard from her side of the story. I've read some articles recently about her and, and what happened at that time and where she was. Um, but it's been a long time now since we lost Clifford. And it's going to be good to hear from her and kind of dive into the life of Clifford Allison a little bit here um, and uh, really learn about the driver who I, I feel like never really gets a whole lot of mention because his brother was a Cup Series winner and, and close to being a champion. His father his father was Bobby, who was very popular as well, and they both had – Bobby had a terrible accident at Pocono that everybody talks about, and Davey's terrible helicopter accident that lost his life in 93 just 11 months after Clifford's accident. But, you know, Clifford was in the middle there, and he sort of, I feel like, doesn't get the justice he deserves as far as being remembered. So we're going to remember him here tonight on uh, on Talking in Circles. Uh, Philip, is there any memory that – I know, Spencer, it was way before your time when we lost Clifford Allison. But is there any memory for you, Philip, from that day or around that time? I mean, it was a terrible time for the Allison family. We'll dive into that a little bit as well with her. Uh, just a rough time for them with, with Cliff with, – uh, Bobby's accident, Clifford's accident. They lost um, Bobby's dad at that point, too, and then losing Davey. And then, of course, you had the other member of the Alabama gang with Neil Bonnet dying Neil in 94 Bonnet. at Daytona. Um, yeah. So it was a tough time for them. What all stands out to you before we talk to Elisa here? Yeah, I mean, in 92, it was very early. I was really, really young, and it was very early days for me. As a fan, I only learned, you know, more – about Clifford through, you know, Davey being with Davey being my first favorite driver and stuff. And then over the years, all the stories that were told through just the whole Allison family and all that, the tragedy and how it was all connected through a few years. And so Clifford, I've learned more through reading in recent years and also through, you know, images and also on YouTube when you see old, Arca races or an occasional bush race and you see the name and it's like, okay, but I, I'm really curious to see what it was really like being there in that spot. And it's, um, I'm really interested to hear from Lisa. It'll be cool to hear from her in the next few minutes. Yeah. Again, to dive into uh, one of the most legendary families in the race, the NASCAR world, uh, you know, and so, it's going to be a lot of fun, and, and here she is now. Alisa, uh, this is Clayton Cole, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here tonight on Talking Circles. Thanks so much for joining the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So wonderful. So uh, uh, it's, going to be, it's, 
it's going to be a lot of fun for us. We were just talking, you know, um, it's been a long time. I mean, 27 years now, Elisa. I mean, uh, it's it's crazy to even think about, I'm sure, for you. Uh, but for me, I was a little kid. I wasn't. I don't even remember the accident. Neither does my co- neither one of my co-hosts. Um, so you know, we we kind of did this because we want to learn about Clifford. Um, we feel like you know, there's not a lot out there from him because he was so young, early in his career, uh, and you know, he was kind of overshadowed by his father and his brother. So we want to take this time to learn about him. Uh, from what I read, at least you guys met at as you were working as an assistant and a chiropractor back in Hueytown in '87. Is that correct? And yes. what do you remember from that day? <laughs> I remembered uh, a gentleman coming in about five minutes right before my lunch. I was ready to leave. The doctor said, no, you can't. This is uh, this guy really needs his low back looked at. And I said, okay, and I really need lunch. And so uh, he never kept time. He, he never was. He never made appointments on time. Exactly right. So, but anyway, it was the first time that I had met him. So he came in, I did therapy uh, on his low back and, and uh, saw most of the back part uh, for about two weeks in, in therapy. Then I did his face, believe it at that. But um, it was so funny. The first thing about Clifford that I realized was he was so cheesy, and a lot of people would not think that. Um, at, it was so funny. What I mean about cheesy is on the day that he came in, um, that day, he started talking to me about racing. Well, my dad, Glenn Gilbert, he raced here in Birmingham, so I was a little bit familiar with it. But anyway, he um, he told me he was racing, and he kind of just, uh, you know, kind of used that talk and told me if I would just stick my head out that day at 3 p.m., he would rev up the engine, that's how close the uh, shop was, just for me. And I thought, this was hilarious. So um, anyway, I thought this guy's arrogant is the first thing. But a lot of people, he was precious. He just, he was so precious. And yes, I stuck my head out at 3 p.m. and he revved up the engine. And, you know, we just hit it off and um, uh, just continued to see each other. Yes, but um, it was great. It was just uh, great. But that is how we started seeing each other. It wasn't at the track. You know, there's a picture, a famous picture that I've seen, you know, and um, it's been uh, it's been kind of publicized here about Davy and Clifford together at a table, and Clifford's giving Davy bunny ears, um, and Bobby Allison actually keeps it in his wallet. He talks about it a lot, um, and he almost – and if I – I don't know if this is the exact quote, but he said, you know, it, it sort of showed their personalities perfectly. Would you agree with that? Was Clifford a little bit more, um, you know, the, like the jokester and Davy was a little bit more serious? Absolutely. I would say that that they both could do the same because Dave, Clifford didn't mind. He he was going to be a jokester, and he loved to see people laugh and smile. And he he always, there was something that he was going to do, and it was very unpredictable as far as doing things, as far as making someone smile. But he was going, he didn't mind you to see it. David was going to be a little more reserved, and he would uh, he would be that when everybody was not looking at Clifford. But they were very competitive, but they were also totally just like any other brothers, except they competed. Um, you know, their toys were larger, and things competition was larger. And but they were absolutely 
um, one for the other. And um, proof of that was different times that, like, for instance, uh, when um, Clifford uh, had his accident in Daytona, kept us down there for overnight observation, there was there was Davy. And then when Davy had his accident in Pocono, uh, Clifford had just returned back home from, like, a 14-hour drive. He was very tired, but he flew back up there. Um, so there was such a commitment as brothers, as normal normal brothers, but there was also just uh, a, a lot of love, a lot of love from both. That's awesome. I tell you, it's it's really great to listen. And if you're just joining in now here on Talking Circles, it's Clayton Cole, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here with Alisa Allison Sproul. Sproul, excuse me if I'm saying that incorrectly. Uh, former wife of Clifford Allison here. Uh, here tonight in Talking Circles, we lost Clifford 27 years ago. On uh, yesterday was the anniversary of that of his accident. Um, you had three kids with with Clifford, and I'm sure they were they were young um, when he passed. What kind of father yes. was he? I mean, again, I've I've done some research here, and in in and um, it said that he, he was a wonderful father. Can you give us some stories about about what kind of father he was? He was a very um... He came from a, a, a very, very strict discipline um, disciplinarian, and uh, but that didn't. But that was awesome because um, kids knew to respect. Um, I don't think you know without going into everything we now today give everybody anything. He didn't mind saying no, and this will make you better. Like for instance, with his father, his father taught him that before. He would drive a race car. You know, he would learn how the shop works so that he could turn around and respect and know how everybody else felt. And then that's how it was. And that's kind of the way it was at home with us. It was kind of like, um, okay, here are your responsibilities. You are respected. You know, you're, you should do them. And yet we had an awesome, uh, there was an awesome love and commitment. He was very, very dedicated and committed to uh, the family. Funny, um, hard, hard worker, day and night. And there was one birthday that uh, comes to mind that uh, the kids had made him a cake. They had sat around and he was working on his birthday. So he comes in the door and they, they had fallen asleep. And there sat the cake, you know, and he just, he went in there and he looked at the cake and he just went in there and he got every one of them, all three of them up. And they all just kind of growled and went to the kitchen. And I have the cutest growly picture of all of them at the table at, you know, on his birthday late, but it mattered. It, it, it mattered. It made a difference. Um, doing things with family. Family, that's the great thing about racing, is you can carry your family with you. And our family was so involved. And that was one of the reasons and one of the things that we all loved it so much. But especially Clifford and I believe Davey, I know that it was a family affair. And there was everybody there. And there were times that the kids were too small. They couldn't get in. We would hide them um, in the truck. Um, and then they would uh, hold their head out when they saw the grandfather come by and yell at him. And but we did, we did, we uh, kind of looked over that. So we made it a family. We made it a family affair too. So that was the wonderful thing about racing that I believe that is just hard to find in any other sport. 
Hey, this is Spencer. I just want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. Um, what could you tell us about Clifford's earlier racing career? His earlier racing career. I can tell you this. He was born competitive. Um, he would have to be. Um, there was just a sense of of being competitive, and he loved to race. Um, he cut his teeth here in the South at, like, BIR, Montgomery Speedway. Uh, actually, ironically, uh, he would become the track champion at Montgomery, and that is the first um, uh, racetrack that Bobby visited when he came up from Florida to uh, to come to the, to uh, Alabama. So um, he loved the local tracks. Uh, he loved he loved racing. So when they were going to be running in circles, he was going to he he was going to do his best to be there. He wanted to succeed. He wanted to be his goal had, was to keep doing the best of whatever he was doing. If he had been NASCAR, there would have all there would have never been a place where I believe he would have been settled. He wanted to be and, and continue to have goals. And I think that is one of the greatest things about him, that if he had been the NASCAR champion, it would have been okay and great, but there would have been something else that, that he would have done and been involved in more so. So racing, he loved, um, he loved just to, he, he loved racing. So he cut his teeth here in the South and, um, one of our great, great um, stories of racing for him, um, he served as crew chief for his father. 1988, we went to um, Melbourne, Australia, and we were there, and we finished second to our neighbor and family friend, Neil Bonin, yeah. and uh, Clifford was the crew chief there. So it wasn't just local around the South. It was even at another country that he, um, that he was, um, you know, had this dedication and his uh, talent was definitely, definitely there. Hi, Lisa, this is Philip. Um, thank you yeah. so much for coming on. Um, as, as a fan of Davey and as a fan of the Allison family, it's really awesome mm -hmm. that, to talk to somebody who's so close. Um, I had a question moving forward a little bit later on in Clifford's career, talking about how did the connection work out with Barry Owen and how did that whole deal kind of come together to where he started driving for Barry Owen in that number nine car and the QVC sponsorship because right, it's it, the way Clifford was, it kind of seems like he was able to make sponsorships happen and find new opportunities. So I was kind of curious about that, those two things. And thank you again. Oh, no problem. Barry Owens, the Owens family are wonderful. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, just a God sense that everything worked out, uh, right. Uh, the number nine car, um, uh, was awesome. We did the QVC because, um, you know, he, he was a people person. He, he was a people person. If you ask anybody at the track, and he was a racer's friend. He, he just was. Um, if someone else needed something, Clifford was going to help them to, uh, to get it. And Barry and the whole Owens group and our crew just came together. And we were all always like family. It, it's just, 
it's just how he was. And when after his accident, they came down here and actually, um, you know, his, his crew was always the most important group to him outside of his kids than, uh, you know, than family because he cared about, he cared about what happened with, with people and he helped. Um, he had a heart, um, just, uh, just would just help individuals. We would be driving down the interstate and someone would be broken down. I remember this elderly couple that was uh, having trouble and we were running late somewhere and he pulled over and helped them. And of course I'm sitting there going, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> Cause I was a little bit more, uh, coward, but he, um, he really, he sought to make a difference in everything that he did. That's whether you were his friend, whether you were his competitor, whether you were um, whatever it was. Now, we did have a few times that there were a couple of drivers that didn't like him too much after a race, but we, we kind of worked that out later and uh, and then moved on with it. But... Um, so, but um, he he really just has a an act of caring, and you it it beamed. But but that's kind of how the Allison family is. Uh, Bobby, um, he's the same way. Um, you can say Grandpa Allison, one of the best, Pop Allison. Um, he was just uh, we we spent a lot of time with him, and he just would radiate. Um, goodness and kindness and uh you know and so um I, it was hard not to like clifford but i'm i'm sure there were some but they had to be very very rare now uh from what i've read and, and you probably attested this a little bit more um clifford's racing career to a lot of people really started to ramp up about 18 months prior to his passing uh and there was an opening in the Cup Series uh, after the 1992 season uh, at his father's team, Hut Strickland, who, um, you know, is related to the family, is married to Donnie's daughter, um, yes, yes. was leaving the team at the end of 92. And there was a lot initial talk right when that was uh, about announced that that maybe could have been Clifford's ride. Do um, mm-hmm. you think there was ever any serious consideration from Bobby about possibly moving Clifford to the Cup Series for the 1993 season? Well, 92 was when the accident took place. So it would have been before 92 um, that Hutt was in the car. But I do remember when that, that took place. Um, as I said before, Bobby always, um, he he would, he, you know, he wanted you to, he, a lot of people think that Clifford had a silver spoon in his mouth. He did not. That that wasn't the case, and a lot of people. Well, there were racers that did not like that because they thought he's just given this and he's just given that. That was not the case. You work for what you got, and he was that. He was that example. He was that to our children. He was that to the people that that knew him, in everything that he did. He was one of the most um, devoted uh, individuals that uh, I've ever seen, and he wished Hut nothing but the best. He would have got out there and and helped him. So he, and yes, Bobby was, uh, to answer your question, um, absolutely. He always had his dad's 100% backing to to help, but there was something more important that came with it. 
And that's the difference in racing back then and racing now, no offense to anyone. But what you did and how you raced was your personality. And today you can just, it's such a different world out there now. You jump in the car, Mm -hmm. it's given to you, and then whatever, and you don't take time for your fans. And that that's 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 you can't do that you know you know um it it was um so to answer your question yes bobby i believe always and to this day does nothing but um uh it, it's just all family totally family um that's the amazing thing about this family and the wonderful thing about it is the closeness um the goodness um, it just didn't come from the guys. Um, Judy um, was one of the most remarkable women. Uh, uh, There's so many things that she taught me, and um, uh, we miss her so much. And uh, so it's just not not the guys, but um, and she wasn't gonna let Bobby do too much without thinking about Clifford anyway. So, um, but um, I think that some of the most important things I was thinking today, what did I want? What did I want to tell? What would I tell people about someone that um, I was so close to? And what would he want? What would he want you to know? Um, and I think in, is the, the fact, again, it, it goes back to respect. That's something we like so much. And uh, the goodness. Um and a lot of people do not know that when the Allison family would go to, when we would go to the tracks, there were three things that we would look for. One would be, of course, we'd look for the track, the location. And one place would be where we were going to stay, but one of the most important was where were we going to have mass, where were we going to church. And that, I feel, has been the backing behind and is the backbone behind the Allison family. Um, is your faith, your faith mm-hmm. beyond the wheel. And I believe that is what makes um, them so extraordinary. Yeah, it really does. Uh, there's no doubt. I think you have to have faith to get through what they went through uh, in that period. Um, you know, I hate to take you back, but 27 years ago yesterday, you were at the racetrack when it happened, keeping times, keeping lap times for Clifford. Um does it feel like 27 years ago for you, Elisa, when you think about the accident and what happened? Uh, does it feel like 27 years ago to you? No, no. I woke up uh, about four nights ago, uh, the middle of the night, my heart beating fast, and I was dreaming of getting to the hospital and just, just getting there. The week before is one of the most nerve-wracking. Just it, Every day we miss Clifford, there's no doubt. Life was changed immediately. We were, we were um, very extremely close. Um, um, the night before the accident, uh, we had flown into Michigan. We took our. We were at the lake house. John Lafere and his his wonderful family would always greet us and and host the Allison family. And we took our fishing rods out in the middle of the night, uh, late, to do some fishing and. Um, just sat around and talked. That was the night before. And uh, there was this, again, we were cheesy. We were just cheesy. It was like, hey, inhale, and he exhaled, and I inhaled. He said, now we breathe the same breath uh, forever. 
And um, that's a true cheesy story, but I love it. But that was the night before. <laughs> um, the next morning, we, we had no idea what was coming our way. I, I, there was a part of me that, that when we lost Clifford, went with him. Um, we were just soulmates. I just believed that. And um, so, no, to answer your question, I can go back in a memory to standing right there beside him. And that's just, that's just how we were. And, but we talked about it a little bit. We talked in the event of anything ever happening. So he kind of had told me if anything had ever happened, what he wanted me to do. And I didn't want to talk about it very long, but we, we did. And that was, you know, going back on our faith and taking care of, of the kids. And that was the most important, uh, most important thing. But, um, mm-hmm. but no, it, uh, grief is a very, very hard thing. And, um, it, it's really tough, but the, there can be any given day. It doesn't have to be that certain day of the accident, even though, even though just like anyone else that, that uh, it, it was, it was tragic. It, it was, I was there. I saw it. Um, his dad saw it take place. Um, it was unexpected. We were not prepared. Nobody ever is. Um, but there again, you is where you have to rely on your faith, and that was the strength that 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 pulled us up to walk, um, to keep walking. I mm-hmm. I was on top of um, of one of the toolboxes, just you know taking times, and when I noticed the wreck, when the when the wreck happened, and I ran, and um, there was a huge fence, and Andrea Nemechek, Joe Nemechek's um, wife was behind me and she was trying to get me to stop and I climbed that fence and it'd be like uh, that night later I would find out that I had cut my leg just a little bit but I didn't even feel anything but I, my thing was to get there to him but when I looked over to my left Bobby was running and so we both had the destination, same destination and that was to get to Clifford and um you know, I don't understand, and I'll never understand. There's some things that we just do not accept that that there's none of us going to make it out of here alive, and um, mm-hmm. we just need to have our rights, our hearts right, and uh, our lives right at any time. Um, he believed that the Lord will take you home when um, He chooses, and it did not matter if he was walking to our mailbox or he was driving the race car. So, you know, um, but nothing for any, it's never easy for anyone, but um, I don't expect it will, that's never going to be a feel, that's never going to feel good to me to think back to that. And, but I wouldn't have missed it for anything. So, to really um, hurt, you've got to have really loved, and I wouldn't take anything for that. Yeah, it's almost like the Garth Brooks song, "The Dance." I could have missed the pain, yeah. but I missed the dance. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
exactly. you know, there, there was a quote uh, Clifford said, you know, about life. It was actually kind of with with fate um, about Baskin Robbins saying, you know, it, it's sort of like Baskin yeah. Robbins uh, for fans mm-hmm. and and for people who might have read that quote uh, and not really uh-huh. sure what what was meant by that. Uh, can you dive in, into a little bit more detail about what he exactly meant by? Uh, life being sort of like yes. Baskin Robbins. Well, in our talks, um, he would say, uh, if if we remember, I don't know, if we still have Baskin Robbins, um, but Baskin Robbins is an ice cream place that you walk in. You didn't even have to say anything to anyone. You took a number. You'd reach over. You'd take your number, and um, when your number was called, your number was up. And so he would always say, "Life is like Baskin Robbins." that when the Lord was going to take any of us home, our number was up, and that was it. And, he, you know, as I said, whether you're driving 190 miles an hour in a race car or whether you're walking to the mailbox, you know, he just believed God had a plan. And that um, when that happens, that it's like Baskin-Robbins. And the day that um, the accident took place, um, I was was running toward him, and I stopped. And and it's just like I could hear. I, I just heard him say, "Baskin Rock, it's Baskin Robbins, babe. It's Baskin Robbins." And I knew exactly. I, I knew in my heart, in my heart, I knew it was Baskin Robbins, and um, it was our, you know, it was our code, I guess, and. Uh, but um, that is exactly what it uh, it means. So we all need to be, when our number's ready, we need to, to be prepared. That answer? <laughs> yeah, Elise, yeah. Yeah, I have one more question for you. Uh, what was it like at, uh, days after the accident? I'm sure it was tough, but was it a blur? Do you remember flying home from Michigan? Do you remember anything like that? I do. The funny thing is, and it's a blessing that I can remember all this, but it also hurts a lot. But I can remember just about back to standing where we stood. And um, and I'm thankful for that. I thank the Lord for that because um, it, it's, um, you know, sometimes you just wish, you could wish hard enough that you could just go back and stand there. And, but um, it, um, it, 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 um, there was nothing, you know, as I said, there was nothing, nothing, nothing easy about that day. Um, and um, remembering and thinking about it is, is, a, is a blessing. Um, you know, it was, it, it was unpredictable. None of us were prepared for it. I thank the Lord for the strong, strong individuals that he had wrapped around us, around me. Even though they were hurting, they were still strong, and that was Grandma Allison. She was one of the strongest women that you would ever meet, and she was with us that day. And um, she, um, we flew back right after, and from the moment I stepped out of that hospital, there was nothing right <laughs> I was missing a lung. I was missing my sidekick. I was I was missing 
a part of me. And that's the way it is in my life. And I've learned to accept that a lot of people, people want you to just get over things. Don't ask that of me. That That's never going to happen. I mean, um, that day when I came out of there, I wanted to go with him. I got on the airplane, and I would not buckle my seatbelt. I didn't care. If, they, if, if, if I'd known that I could just step out of it and step right into heaven, I would, I, would have, I, would have, I would have done so. It was one of the absolutely hardest things to do that day, but to be without and, and to come home. Um, I thought for the longest that I, the Lord had taken the wrong one. He was the strong one. And then here I am. And, you know, but again, so blessed to have these wonderful, strong Bobby, Judy, Grandma, my mom, you know, my, and my grandmother was very, very strong. All stood in faith. And, you know, God just gives us the ability to handle things. Um, I would have dreams that Clifford would talk to me in my dreams. I, I, I got a lawnmower stuck out in the yard in a hole. I could not get it out of a riding lawnmower. And I wanted to come in and say, hey, can you help me get this lawnmower? And nobody's in the garage. So I cried and I left it out there. I went to sleep that night and I dreamed he came. He said, that's Grandpa's lawnmower that he gave us and you've got to get it out of that yard. And and so I was, you know, there's, there's so many things that people would say, oh my goodness, that's just crazy, but I don't think so. I think when you have um, a close relationship and when you are just saying, when you're standing there and you're saying, I have given, Lord, I can't do this on my own. There's nothing I can do. If you don't hold me, if you don't walk before me, you don't carry me. And so um, the days were tough. They were foggy. Um, I did not drive. They would not let me drive for two months um, afterwards because it was just um, I didn't talk a lot to people. Um, I, I didn't. It was sad as any as 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 anyone else's grief. But again, I, I look back and I think of some of the things that Bobby would say. I know what it was like one day. Um, I'm sitting in the living room and I had to be a boy, just a, a, a prize to look at because I was <laughs> so um, worn out. And, you know, he just, um, he just said, hey, you know, look at this obituary. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he was like, well, they've all lost. Too, and here we sit, and I'm like, okay, but you know what? That's them, and right now I just want to go beat the car up. I just want to just take a, a sledgehammer and go beat it. And, you know, I expected him to say, you don't want to do that. You don't need to do that. No. He said, go get it. Go. To, I'll hand you the hammer, and if that's going to make you feel better, then you just beat the Hades out of that race car out there. It was one of the other cars. And, you know, I realized that that wasn't going to get me anywhere. But just focusing and just keeping my eyes out for what was good 
in this on this side of heaven now. And there's a um, vase that I have that um, Judy and I had uh, purchased, or, or I had purchased right before we had gone to the track. It's a precious moments vase, and I would not look at it until about two days later, um, when uh, middle of the night. Um, at that time, I was sleeping about two hours a night, and um, I, I, I looked through some of the bags that I brought back from Michigan, and Liz and Davy and the Lafiers have been so wonderful to help us um, pack up um, and send back. And I found that little vase, and it has family of five, and it's got the parents and three children, which one of our girls is redheaded. And one was redheading this, and they're all looking up on a hill to a cross. And I knew that that right there, that that didn't just come about for me. That was meant for me to pick up that day. And it was meant for me at 2 o'clock in the morning on about four hours of sleep to look at it and place my hope and my trust and my life to know that on this side of heaven that I've just got to keep trusting because we're just a blink away from the other side, and that's it. That's it. Well, um, I'm trying to figure out how I'm supposed to follow up after all of that. I I had one thought, and you mentioned it just now, talking about Judy and talking about the yourself included, the women in terms of. I mean, and for us as fans, we think about the drivers and we think about we're we're fans of the drivers, but we don't understand that role of the wife or the 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 woman of the house in terms of like we we kind of understand it with some of the stories of like Judy Allison or Martha Jarrett or Martha Earnhardt or you know yes. what what it was like with for them in those days, but it's like what you you kind of talked about it. Uh, already, but how much of a role did all the women, you know, not only, you know, the Alabama gang, all the wives, but the racing community, how did they kind of help you and help the family kind of, uh, you know, start to be able to, you know, process and be able to move forward after such a tragedy and and I, I guess the second part of it, you know, I mean, I, I also am curious if you have any stories or anecdotes to talk about Grandma Allison or Judy, you know, because Judy's an interesting one. All the wives, like, of the, that era, it, it interests me, you know, talk about Linda Petty and, you know, Martha Earnhardt and those like that. Like, also, Judy was a big part of that yes. and I'm curious if there's yes. anything any kind of anecdotes or anything you could tell about Judy or Grandma Allison the women in racing and, and I'm talking to any woman today racing is a tough sport to for women you are mom at home and your mom away and the moment that you go to leave, you miss your kids, you, you want to know what's going on at home. But yet, if you do not go, you want to know what's going on with your husband. And so there's never seemingly sometimes a settled moment. So the best thing to do is to pack them up all and, and go. So that's a great thing of when they're small 
is to carry them with you so that you can just have them all at the racetrack. And that's what a lot of the time that uh, Judy would do and Bobby would do. Um, uh, obviously, when they get older, they cannot, um, um, you know, you've got school. It's tough. Of course, you can homeschool, but that's that's tough. So that's very hard. Racing can be um, difficult. But yet, you just have to have the best way. If you can, the best way to manage it um, is is communication, talking with each other, and making sure that that woman or that uh, you know they they know how important they are and important what they mean to to the family. And and I think that that's something that um, Ollie Day Allison, the family, you know, that that Judy always did. You know, you would see Bobby, but you were not going to see Bobby without seeing Judy too far behind. And she was going to be there. And that was the same with Clifford. She she supported us. I mean, she, you know, hey, when we first became, you know, Bush Grand National, when we started, you know, getting up there, she was like, we, we would have, she would sit, we would sit down and it'd be like, okay, you know, you, this is going to get tough for you. So she was my mentor, and and it, and and I wasn't easy to get along with. I wasn't. After the accident, I I messed up on some things. I, I wasn't always easy to get along with. Um, I was hurting so bad, and I kind of would shut people out sometimes. And um, so even to the strongest. I, I pulled away and I pulled back because, um, but, um, so I, I, you know, but they would still like Grandma Allison. Grandma Allison was my rock. She had lost Pop four months before we lost Clifford. And so she was learning to live life on this side of heaven without Pop. So I would go to her and spend time with her and she could just whatever the problem was grandma always had an answer and she could always tell you now you you might not like it <laughs> but she was going to tell you because she was so strong and such a such a pillow and of, of strength and um so it it you know it's a it's kind of a two-part question there but um it's it's tough on the ladies at times. So the men, you know, um, most certainly, um, you know, make them feel like they're appreciated. And and I had never had a problem with that. Clifford and I were very 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 close. He was so respectful. Um, he would um, he would um, absolutely make you feel. And there was no doubt in my mind that whether he was home or whether he was at track. He was uh, honest, uh, faithful, and he was um, uh, absolutely everything I needed him uh, to be. And I think that's what the women of racing, they strive for. Um, You're not always perfect. Um, You don't always have the right words to say. And especially after you go through such a, or you're going through a tragedy um, for anybody. It's not a time for judgment. It's it's not a time for, um, you know, to think that they should do something. I remember a couple standing beside me um, at the funeral, 
And uh, she said, this just makes me love you more, um, talking to her husband. I wanted to hit her. And, and I'm, I'm not kidding. I was so, it just upset me because it grabbed my heart. Here I am grieving for my husband. And she's, you know, but it was okay for her to say that. It was really okay. She needed to assure him, but I wish she would have walked a little further so I didn't hear it because I was missing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, sure. uh, a couple more, Lisa, if you don't mind. Uh, it's been a long, I know it's been a, a long uh, conversation here, but I got a couple more. If, no. If you don't mind, mm-hmm. um, I read a lot about how the town of Hueytown and uh, the, the state of Alabama in, in general really kind of rallied around you and your family after the accident. I read the, you know, the, I think it was the Racing Wives Auxiliary of Alabama uh, raised over $1,000 for you and your family. Uh, what can you tell us about that, and what did that mean at a time when well, you were in your biggest grieving that they were there for you? Well, there are, there are first of all, uh, I'm just prejudiced, but there are no fans like the fans in racing. There, there's just no other. Um, you do not see you see football fans. They cheer. They, you know, they go home, and you do not see them interact. And I'm sure on maybe more private things with family, they're a little bit different. But um, we have the racing ride, and I'm thinking that's the racing wives auxiliary may have been through NASCAR, um, is because I'm not sure of the Alabama, but there were so many people that rallied i it was nothing i was coming home with boxes of letters boxes of notes um correspondence um coming over we had people i would have people come to my front yard which i did not really like that too much but they would be everywhere um just wanting to show or say, hey, we care. Um, we we really, really love Davey, and we were really, really watching Clifford, and we know that Clifford uh, was uh, was going to be up there, and, yes, he was going to be a NASCAR champion, and, yes, he was going to be, uh, 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 you know, just as, as well as anybody else. And this one thought came to my mind, that uh, one thing that Dale Earnhardt said, and he said one time, he said, Clifford had natural talent, and Davy had to work on it. Now, that that tells you, you know, he was just natural at, at what he did. But there were so many people that, that um, and that's just a compliment to the family, not just Clifford, not myself, not to, but racing in a whole. And I think that says a lot to the drivers um, and their um, relationships on a fan base of trying to be more one-on-one with the fans or, you know, just getting autographs or just stopping by to say hello. The one thing I never, ever have seen Bobby Allison or Clifford or Davey not stop by when somebody spoke to them or waved, he would acknowledge them. They acknowledge, and today it's not always that way. They're too busy, and you need to stop, and, and you, need to, you need to stop and say hello because that is, uh, that's what, uh, you know, it's just that, that relationship. So um, it, I, it's just sport. The, everybody was so great, was great. 
I mean, and the governor, I received a letter from the governor. Um, but, you know, the thing about it made me think. We were so blessed to have letters and um, from dignitaries of all over. But my thoughts were, what does the woman do that doesn't have that? And I I try now to reach out to women that have lost their husband. Um, they do they do not go to the mailbox and have a mailbox full of of mail. They may not get a letter from the governor. They do not get any type of you know recognition. Their husband's still getting like like today. We found out that Clifford. Um, uh, his name has been uh, chosen to be a nominee for the Alabama um, Auto Sports um, Pioneer Club. So, um, and that was just, that's awesome. 27 years later, and Clifford has still got an awarding um, respect, and that means a lot. But reaching out to the other other people that do not have as great is what you know we need to do, and um, to other others less fortunate, and that's what I try to focus on. Um, but um, you you just can't. I mean, I'm, I'm the fans are absolutely the best, and um, they were such a blessing to me. It seemed like the cards would come in. The, the right day, the right words would be said that I really, really needed to hear, or somebody would plant a tree in Israel um, in memory of Clifford. You know, it was an outpouring that was unbelievable. And um, the television, even though we would keep our television off for probably about a year, except if it wasn't Disney, because we didn't like to see the over and over. But the television, if you if you were here, if you saw either Clifford Davies' funeral, the people would line up on the roads, and as we would go by, they would stand out in just honor of them. And that just says a lot for our state. It says a lot for our communities. And it, it says a lot uh, for the respect um, for Clifford, for Davy, and for uh, for the Allison family in uh, in a whole uh, as a whole, and um, and that is just this is priceless. It is. Yeah, I just I just kind of want to fast forward to uh, today's um, time. Uh, what have you been up to since the accident? Have you remarried? How are the ch- how are your children? Um, what has life been like since, um, you know, the tragic accident? Well, I, um, I wanted to share a couple of things with you. Uh, I thought the fans would like this, this story uh, um, about Clifford, and I'll be glad if that's all right to answer that, that question for you. Um, of course. As I was saying, the, the um, Clifford, um, Clifford was a um, – Clifford enjoyed life, Okay. And um, he loved to make people smile. That's the one thing that I want people to know about him was that he he was one of the most caring individuals. He was not a 
Um, it was so funny because if you look back at some of the articles, um, they've even, he's been called a, and this is so funny, Romeo. Um, <laughs> um, it's so funny because um, he he was a jokester, and but he was one of the most dedicated individuals to, to family. There was a time that, I mean, it was Clifford did not just love speed at on the racetrack. He had a Mazda pickup truck. He took the Mazda pickup truck. He put a V8, a Buick V8 engine in it. And we took it out to the airport. And he tested that thing on the runway, the airport runway. And this was Clifford. This was him. He was he was brave. He was spunky. He he loved to show you that you can do. So what I would like to say to the fans is whatever it is, whatever challenge there is, um, you're facing whatever it is, um, yes, you can. And just, uh, um, you know, he, that's, that's what example that he was. Um, where am I at today? I am older. <laughs> um, the kids are they're growing I'm so proud of them they're, the, the girls are teachers um, and then our son works for a CPA firm in Birmingham Brandon, Tommy and Leslie and uh, they're awesome and uh, uh, they have I'm so proud of them all three of them for the individuals that they didn't have to be it was tough it was hard. There were a lot of tears. There was a lot of pain. We lost we lost Grandpa Allison. Then we lost Dad. Then we lost Davy within 11 months. That doesn't happen just every day or to normal normally, you know, in a normal family. But we're not normal. So, but um, they they endured a lot, and. Um, they, I, I couldn't be more proud of all three of them. And uh, they have a lot of love and support. Um, their Aunt Bonnie, their Aunt Carrie, um, uh, their Pawpaw, um, you know, just, the, they're just, uh, you know, we're just a family. I mean, they are so supportive uh, and uh, I could not be more proud of them. As for me, um, I'm active. I'm writing. I write. Um, I have. I am on a our Hueytown Art Council with some of the greatest people in in Hueytown in our area for doing things for our community. Um, I work with the Children's Hospital. In the last couple of years, we lost uh, our granddaughter Eleanor to uh, leukemia. So. Uh, uh, Yes, so I battle for the fight against childhood cancer. Um, I have great friends that are involved with uh, autism um, and um, trying to find a cure and some great changes that they're doing to help these kids. So I stay busy. That's 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 what keeps Lisa going. And um, um, I uh, I'm not out as much as I used to be. I used to be just you know just. Uh, at the track or doing things, I'm more behind the scenes or in my office. 
calling people, making contacts, and saying, how can we find a cure for childhood cancer? Um, how can we uh, help this family? Or how can we do something to, 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 to be better than we, than we are in some of the areas that we are? So I just see that. That's, that's what keeps, that's, that's how Lisa is. And um, my church, um, my faith in my Lord, faith in God, um, and my knowing, my trust and knowing that everything here is temporary. Um, Clifford and Davy didn't do anything that we're not going to at some point. And um, mm-hmm. um, it's just important to, to try to, try to live right. I fail a lot. <laughs> I'm not perfect. Um, by no means, I don't mean to sound in any way that I am. Um, I failed a lot. There's a lot of things that I look back now over the 27 years I would have done differently. I would have said differently. I would have been differently. Um, but a pain has a way of paralyzing you. And you're someone, sometimes you don't want to be. Um, sometimes you don't like, you just don't like being in that shell. And that's what uh, grief can be. And it's, it's so important. It's good to have good people around you. And, and, um, and I do. Um, and um, just keep looking to be grateful for things, just to be grateful. If I stopped and I just felt sorry for myself, and it would be easy, I could do it so easily, I would just give up, but you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. You, you can't. You keep, you keep on that, that night. You keep on, you keep on racing. You keep your foot on the gas, and you keep doing and you keep on track and, and to doing good things and and knowing that there is good. And that's me. And that's how I feel. Well, we thank you so much, Elisa, for coming on tonight. I just have one more question, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, are you still in the racing? I mean, and if you are, uh, is there anybody you pull for out uh, on the track today? Um, you know, I just think the fans would, would kind of like to know that. Now repeat that last part because it broke up. You broke up just a little bit. Sorry, I said, are you still into racing? And who do you pull for on track uh, if if you still are into racing? <laughs> I absolutely am into racing. I never stopped. Um, we <laughs> occasionally um, go out to Talladega and um, just go there. There's 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 a feeling um, that. That that I mean, honestly, the fans have been so great to us that there is no way that you know to stay away from the just stay away from the track. I I enjoy racing. Um, my favorite driver. Uh, my favorite dri- <laughs> um, is all of them, uh, and I wish for a safe race uh, for each. And every one of them, my families, my racing families of um, of old. Oh, I shouldn't use that word. Let's use another word. My racing families, uh, when we were more active in in racing, um, I love to hear that you know their sons are coming up and they're getting in and that and to keep the tradition going. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so yes, there is no way I could not love racing because. Racing and the people—it it is what um, 
um, has kept us going. Um, it is what we knew. Uh, Clifford knew. Davey knew. We all knew that um, there's a risk. Um, but if you're going to do something and, you know, and don't be afraid to sometimes take a risk. And um, I just pray for safe races. I don't like crashes. I don't like the sound of crash. That really hurts me a lot. Uh, but um, I just, I like, I, I, I just appreciate so much the racing family, my racing family, our racing family. That never stopped. I still get cards, letters, notes, checks, calls, um, and it's just to say, hey, or we're thinking of you. Um, yesterday was unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. After 27 years, you're, you're, you continue to get, I, I believe it increased. I mean, it just people just reaching out and saying, we care, and that's the racing network. That, that's it. Mm-hmm. For sure, and uh, we want to thank you so much for for giving us a lot of time tonight and uh, diving into some stuff that I'm sure is still hard to do after 27 years. And uh, our thoughts are still with you and your family, and uh, we'll have to do it again another time. It was a lot of fun. We learned great to learn about Clifford, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And um, yes, I appreciate you remembering Clifford. Uh, Anytime. That's Elisa Allison, everybody. Uh, the former wife of, of Clifford Allison, some great insight there into the life of Clifford Allison. Give us an hour of her time. Uh, very, very gracious for that. It was a, a lot of fun to dive into um, the at the whole life and career of Clifford Allison, how they met, uh, and uh, all the way up till present day. So uh, we touched on a lot of stuff there, but it certainly was great. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That's the number to call here. We're gonna finish up the show here. With a little bit of a Bristol talk and, and some modern day NASCAR talk here, like we normally do on our Wednesday, but it's going to be abbreviated here. And I want to start with sort of uh, the news of the day, guys. Um, and that's David Reagan. David Reagan announced today that he will step away from full time stock car racing uh, for the number 38 Ford at the end of the year. Uh, that means there's going to be somebody else driving that car next year. Um, and uh, what were your thoughts, Spencer? And then I'll go to Philip. Uh, on the news of David Reagan's um, full-time retirement, as far as uh, what you what you know what you heard, he was been here 13 full years in NASCAR, won two races at Daytona in July, and then uh, of course the Talladega win uh, back in 2013. Uh, what were your thoughts on David Reagan's retirement? Yeah, it was a little shocking. Uh, me and you have talked about it before, and you saw it coming. Um, but you know, there's a point where they all have to, and you know, he's got two little girl, uh, two little kids at home and a wife and they're on the road so much. And if they're, if the families don't travel to the track, they really do miss a lot of, uh, uh, time with their kids growing up and they miss a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, he, you know, he's not saying he's fully retiring. He says full time. Um, so he said he's still going to be at the racetrack. And I tell you what, I've, I've been in the garages multiple times and he's, He's so down to earth. He's friendly. He always likes to talk. He makes time for the fans. Um, it's it's sad to see a guy like that um, leave the sport um, and not going to be around as much as he is. Um, those are the drivers and uh, types of people you want in the sport. Uh, make it fan friendly, and um, you know he's 
he's had he's been around for a while. He's had a pretty decent career. Um, you know, I'm sure he's not accomplished everything he's wanted to, but I'm sure um, he's not walking away disappointed. How about you, Philip? I mean, uh, were you kind of surprised? I know I, I uh, through sources, I've kind of known about this for a couple of days, so I know I kind of broke the news to you Monday night as well. Um, but were you surprised as far as, you know, with really starting this week that, that David was going to retire? He's only 33 years old. Um, and I think a lot of people assume that since he's so young, he was going to run until maybe his mid to late 30s, but he's decided here at the end of the 2019 season to call it a career. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, he's got. We talked about it offline, where he's got a TV deal going on with Fox, and you know, he's able to stay local and be with family, and you know, go and do a couple of live hits a week or whatever tape hits with with Ray Sub, and maybe this will expand into. You know, he'll be on TV a little more because obviously they need to get younger because uh, Fox was involved in being in in the Twilight Zone for um, decades, uh, but that's in multiple forms. I, In terms of David, it, it kind of brings up, you know, the 2011 Daytona 500 when if they hadn't penalized him, he goes and wins that race would this conversation even be going on right now? How many things would have landed differently? But then he, the the way he drove in that Talladega race in 2013, um, at the end of the day, he may have not won the Daytona 500, but he put front row motorsports on the map, really. Um, gave him their first win, and uh, he's one of the good guys. He's one of those, you know, good old boys from Georgia. You know, he's one of those last, that's the last of the, you know, the way kind of connecting to what the sport used to be. Um, mm-hmm. He's well-spoken. He, he respects the sport. I would love to, I hope he could have him on here. Uh, it'd be interesting to talk to him because uh, there's a lot that I would love to ask him. Uh, he's a good guy. Um, and in a, And considering that they had fully funded they had two fully funded race cars for him and Michael McDowell next year. And David Reagan at basically the same age as I am is saying, okay, I'm going to go and call it quits. Um, you got to give him respect. Uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll see him at the restrictor plate races and he'll make appearances here and there. Uh, but I think TV's calling him and some other and being a dad and being a husband, yep. you know, full time is called to him and uh, credit to him. He gets to kind of walk off on his own uh, accord, unlike others have. Yeah, you're right about that. And, and uh, you know, personally, you guys know I was a Reagan fan. I still am. Um, and it was it's been a tough couple of weeks to kind of grab or really weak to kind of grasp this year. Uh, but you know, uh, listen. It was there were some times on a racetrack that were tremendous, you know, and there was heartbreaking moments. Uh, 2011 Daytona 500 certainly stands out in the moment, especially when you're sitting in the grandstands and you watch the move happen, and you're confused by exactly what happened um, until it was explained to you. But uh, you know, it, it was a good ride. It's been a fun ride, and um, you know, there's certainly he's done everything off the racetrack that you could admire. 
Um, and, and that's more important to me than, than anything on a racetrack. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll certainly miss cheering at 38 every day, every week. Um, you know, and, and who knows where I go from here, but, um, yeah, it, it was, it's certainly been a tough week. 917-889-8280. Just want to kind of get your quick pick here, guys, for the trucks, Xfinity and Cup Series events at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, trucks are, are tomorrow night, a Thursday night at Bristol. The Xfinity are a Friday, and then you have the Cup Series race on Saturday. One of my favorite weekends of the year. Who doesn't like Bristol three days in a row? Uh, tremendous, tremendous couple of days here of racing. Um, Philip, I'll get started with you here truck series event um who do you got and uh who's your favorite to win that thing uh for the trucks tomorrow night i'm going to i'm going to go with the you know the guy the the guy that's our i guess show favorite um they got a full-time sponsor for the last seven races of this season um, there's going to be watermelon all over the front stretch at uh, Bristol uh, tomorrow night because Ross Chastain's going to go and win. That's my pick. How about you, Spencer? You agree with Philip there, or uh, is there somebody else you got your eye on in the Truck Series event at at uh, Bristol this weekend? I mean, I'd like to see it happen, but um, you know, Bristol—you never know what can happen. You know, it's so. Um, so uh chaotic i guess you could say it's a lot happens a lot of wrecks a lot of beating and banging um i mean he has a great shot he's got a lot of momentum um but it's it's i don't have i'm not gonna go and pick one guy um i mean i'm gonna say the 51 uh he's been fast um he's ran really well in that truck uh and chandler smith um i know he's young has a lot to learn but i watched um the uh, ARCA race last night that they ran on uh, whatever it was, what day, the day before, like yesterday, and he was fast. And he's young, got a lot to learn, like I said, but uh, he knows how to wheel a race car, and I think he has a good shot. Um, he's used to small racetracks, so um, why not pick Bristol? But, yeah, I'd like to see Ross win. Yeah, I think Ross is the favorite here, but you know, there's other guys in this truck series as well. you got John Hunter Nemechek returning back um, to the Ninko Motorsports number eight truck this weekend uh he should be a, a certainly a guy to keep an eye on in that race as well of course you got your regulars with uh you know you got matt crafton you have brennan finger uh johnny Sauter, of course there at, for thor sport racing ben rhodes uh and and you know your normal your normal favorites you got austin hill tyler ankrum harrison burton uh todd gilliland brett moffitt of course so all the regulars are there ryan sieg's gonna be driving for rainbow ring brothers uh, and a 33 this weekend as well, so something, something to keep an eye on. Uh, something else to keep an eye on there, they have 37 trucks for 32 spots. Uh, one of my favorite drivers of all time in the truck series, Timothy Peters, is in a go-or-go-home situation with a 92 truck. And uh, just a quick shout-out, want him to make the race, and hopefully he'll be able to do that. NASCAR Xfinity Series event, 42 cars for 38 spots. That means four cars are going to go home. Um, you know, we talked about the big three here with Custer, Reddick, and uh, Christopher Bell in the Xfinity Series. Is there anybody else for you, uh, Spencer, that stands out to you in the Xfinity Series that has a shot at winning this race at Bristol Motor Speedway on Friday night? Uh, Kyle Busch in the 18 car. Uh, I think yeah. he's the – I mean, he, yeah, just Kyle Busch. Um, but you also got Joey Logano. Uh, he's a cup veteran. 
champion in the Cup Series. Um, so, I mean, he's going to give Kyle a run for his money and then, then the big three for the run for their money. Um, so, you know, Penske has their Xfinity stuff rolling. Um, 22's parked in victory lane twice in a week. So, um, yeah, I want to say Kyle Busch, but I'm going to say Joey's going to be up there as well. Yeah, Kyle's certainly a favorite anytime you come to Bristol. I mean, I, I honestly, if I think Kyle was on a, a moped and these guys were on a, uh, a in regular regular cars, I, I think I might pick Kyle Busch to win the race, especially in the Xfinity Series. He just seems to get around this place better. Uh, Eric Jones also is going to be an interesting guy to keep an eye yeah. on as well in 81. How about, about him. You, Phillip, um, how about you, Philip? Who do you got? Is it Kyle Busch's win, race to win, or, or do you think maybe somebody else will challenge him for the win? On Friday night, yeah, I mean it's uh, the I would I would be shocked after especially after Watkins Glen when he had the race covered and had a mechanical. I'm sure he'll do what he usually does at Bristol. He did it when I went there for the race a few years ago. He he smoked the field, but what I would hope is the other person that battled in that particular Bristol night race was Eric Jones as a rookie. And in the Cup Series, and Eric Jones driving the 81 car because um, Reverend Gibbs uh, fired Jeffrey Earnhardt to get the IK9 sponsorship. Uh, Eric Jones will go and uh, make something happen there. The the reality is it's going to come down to one of the three. You know, Spencer mentioned Logano. It's going to come down between Logano, Kyle Busch, and Eric Jones. Uh, the big three will take a back seat this week before they uh, get back to uh, their regular scheduled programming. Uh, look <laughs> out for the 10 car. Um, that's going to be a caution, uh, guaranteed caution this week. Instead of not passing inspection or passing inspection, it's probably going to hit the wall because Joe Graff Jr. is in the car. So just keep that in mind. For uh, Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't even realize that until I just looked at that entry list and uh, – Certainly going to be interesting to keep an eye on him because he doesn't have a ton of experience, um, and that's a really fast race car for him in that he went car. In the arc race uh, Cup, no, Cup Series event also, guys, of course, the big main event on Saturday, the NRA Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, your thoughts, guys, on, on who's going to take it? I mean, we have our normal players, of course, uh, but it's been kind of a very interesting Cup Series season uh, we've seen a lot of different winners. It's not like we have three drivers really running away with it. Um, there's been a lot of interest in this series. Um, Spencer, I'll start with you. Who's got in a cup race on Sunday? Um, I don't want to go with the 18. I'm going to have to pick the 42. Um, not just because he's my driver, but you remember last year um, with about 50 to go, it was the Kyle and Kyle show. They were beating each other's bumpers off. Uh, clean, hard racing. And I think he's... Um, He's he's got to get a win. I mean, his fans are itching. I'm itching for a win out of the 42 group, <laughs> and um, I'd like to see um, him put it in victory lane. And he's wanting to win at Bristol so bad. And honestly, I think this is his better track over uh, Michigan now. Um, he runs really well at both of those tracks, but I think um, he has a, a good shot. They have a lot of speed here lately. I think he has a good shot at parking at victory lane. How about you, Philip? I mean, uh, there's a lot of different guys in this race that can, that I think, can pull it off. Who do you got? I think that somebody who hasn't won is going to 
get this done. I mean, Kyle Larson fits that young money, but after, you know, the Knoxville National how that all worked out. So he's going to probably be angry. He wants to go and get a win. I'm, I had two names. Uh, Eric, we talked, I just talked about it a second ago, Eric Jones. Now that theoretically the pressure is off and that he has a job, that he's released to kind of go and do what he has to do here for this next year and change to kind of prove himself. Now he's like, okay, I'm free. He ran, he's run well at Bristol before in both an Xfinity and truck and even in a cup car, possibly a second career win. The dark horse I would say is O Richard, Ricky Stenhouse, who needs a Hail Mary to make the, the playoffs. It's one of his best racetracks. Uh, you know, that would be something to look at as well. Uh, I would say yeah. Eric Jones, though, for the win. Interesting. I'm, I was going to take Hamlin because I think Hamlin's had a really good uh, last few races here. But something to keep an eye on, guys, uh, and fans, and everybody listening to this show this week, is the guys who are really on a cusp of, of making this. You know, Bristol could be a race where you, if you find yourself in trouble, it can be a long night. Clint Boyer, for example, is a, a great short track racer. Um, and he's proven he can win here in the past. Um, he's got to have a big night, you know, and wants to put some distance on there. If he wants to make the playoffs, it starts here at Bristol. Uh, um, Daniel Suarez as well needs a big night uh, to kind of make the playoffs. Jimmy Johnson, of course, on the cusp, and then Ryan Newman, uh, who runs good on the short tracks as well. So uh, those guys, along with our with the, with the run up the front, who's going to win that race, all eyes are going to be on those four guys here as the playoffs get closer and closer. Well, I want to thank Philip. Matthew and Spencer Cowan, uh, you guys were great tonight. I know it was uh, a lot to to put the show together and a lot to to kind of um, endure, and I appreciate all the work you did um, this week to help me out here and, and put this show together. You guys did a great job uh, tonight. And, of course, Elisa Allison Sproul, who um, was just fantastic and uh, really made the show great. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles. If you like, this, like what you heard tonight, be sure to like us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. This way you can hear all our shows when we go live. Uh, we'll see you next time here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.